Hey, this is Roberto. You're back with another Steambox podcast from my Warriors in Central Falls. Warriors from Central Falls, please say what's up to the world. What's up? Hey, um, it is my absolute pleasure. My, my, honestly, one of the favorite things that I've ever done with Steambox. Uh, Angelina was here when some students sent this thing to space. Um, I had students build that arcade cabinet. We've been to Tokyo twice. Uh, we just came back from Anime Boston with this group. Make noise if you were in that group. Oh yeah. yeah! So we went to so we're having a good time. Like we do some really fun stuff. This podcast has been great, but honestly, last year when we started the Joyful Rebellion podcast, uh, and instead of putting the spotlight on the movie stars and the guests that we have, we put the spotlight on you guys. Uh, I actually had tears for a lot of that. That was the joy and highlight of my career so far. One of them. Uh, so I want to thank you for being here, Joyful Rebellion, season two. Here we go. Uh, right now, I have, as I just mentioned, Angelina Serrano. Uh, she is, uh, she's been a longtime collaborator of mine. First, the student during the, through the College Crusade, and then Inspiring Minds, started Steambox Alpha Zero. She's one of the first Steambox students. Um, graduated from Classical, and now she's a clinical manager at Crossroads. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Hi, Angel Hi, Angelina. Hey, Roberto. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. This is an awesome setting to be in. Multi-generational. I love it. Uh, we've got Amy in the house, too, and we're going to get to Amy a little bit more in just a little bit. Hi, Amy. Hi. Amy, the information that I have for you is that, um, because it's very little, is that you're at, with Rhode Island Cares? All right, Cares? No. All right, please correct us. <laughs> I'm actually a certified peer recovery specialist in Rhode Island, a person in long-term recovery. I support others in recovery from substance use disorder and mental illness find their pathway to recovery and you know navigate the aftermath of addiction and mental illness i work for a virtual company called marigold health right now but have worked at anchor recovery community center um, and other community partners that sounds really important i really appreciate that there's two of us uh in this room and and i'll let them i'm only going to speak on my own behalf but uh have on this podcast talked about uh difficulties with my own uh with my one of my parents uh who struggled a lot with um with addiction and continues to struggle with addiction and the impact that it's had on me uh so i'm happy that you're here and i can't wait to open up that conversation in a few minutes but Angelina, before I get, I don't want to roll over uh, and toss this over to the students because I can't wait to hear what they're going to say. But uh, what do you want? Like, what should we know right off the bat? Well, I think right off the bat, you have to know that I was born and raised in Providence. Um, I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, so I just speak loud all the time and really fast. So if I do, slow me down. Um, but I think I just love being in spaces like this because I've been here, right? And I know some of the challenges that come with just trying to navigate your society, just trying to navigate your world while being all that you're supposed to be and still feeling sane about, you know, everything that's happening around us. So right off the bat, Dominican, Puerto Rican, and I just love emotional and mental health. I want to, um, I'm probably going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with my own pain and I'm just going to, I'm going to throw darts from there. Oh. Uh, Ooh, darts what you don't want darts thrown at you no. uh honestly i i felt like uh i felt this felt rushed so people who i've asked to join the podcast if it seems rushed it is uh 
I, I was planning on doing this a little later in the year, earlier next school year, uh, but uh, due to events in the world over the past month, I have been absolutely struggling. I've been absolutely, like, like last week, if you asked me last week, I would be lying in front of these students because I would be trying to act hopeful when in reality, I've been struggling with hope, which is one of the first words that you talked about when you came in the room. I've been struggling with hope because I feel like, I feel like uh, my social media has so many cults in social media. And by cults, I mean, when you willingly subscribe to a, a person, thing, or idea. And one of the cults that I'm referring to, and I'm not even trying to knock any cults. I'm not getting into the politics of what's a good thing, what's a bad thing. But one of the things uh, that has been uh, really hurting my wellness is when children die because they are shot in a school, we can't even have a conversation about whether or not we should have regulations on guns. Because before we can even have that conversation, a lot of people who love their guns to a romantic degree, sometimes it seems like, are going to jump down our throat, right? Uh, there's other cults. There's cults of people who are following leaders. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a red leader or a blue leader. It doesn't matter. It's two different cults, right? If you're following blindly. Uh, so my point is, the past month has been very taxing to me. It's been very taxing. I've been having a hard time because when I look at things like, oh, children just died. A lot of children just died. And I can count on the fact that it's going to happen again because we are not willing to do anything about it. Some of the ideas that I've heard from people in leadership are we should have less doors in school. So we can't have a conversation about less guns, but we should have a conversation about having less doors in school. My point is, that's where I'm coming from. That's where my emotional uh, unrest, unease is, uh, is, is driving me. And even when I take a group of you to Anime Boston, I have to think about how safe is this? How safe is it to have you all on the train? How safe is it for you guys to be together in school in a classroom? Does, is that something that you ever think about? Well, yeah, because literally just yesterday, uh, I, my parents received a text about Calcutta. There was yeah, weapons yeah. found in people's yeah. backpacks, which honestly, I don't get scared by that stuff anymore. We literally have people that are not supposed to be in our building come into our building, and I wasn't even scared. It was happening right outside my door. One more time, your response involved an emergency scenario from how long ago? Uh, Six, this year. This year. And one from yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. So as recent as yesterday, in your community, there was an emergency scenario in the schools because weapons came into the schools. Yeah, uh, it ended up just being BB guns, which I thought immediately as I saw the text, because in Seattle, if you go outside, you might get shot by a BB gun just a kid running with it. So I'm used to it. But back to the things that happened uh, this year, when someone broke into the school, it was a former student that was drugged out. They had a knife or something, like a weapon, but they passed out or something. And it was happening in the main hall, and I was wow. in the class in the main hall. But even as that was happening, I heard the police officer try to calm them down. I wasn't even scared <laughs> for some reason. I was just desensitized to it to a point where even if it's happening to me, I was I just didn't feel anything. English class? Uh, yeah, it was in the St. George's. Yeah. Really? 
So two things you you said you said two things and it was similar. Uh, there were two separate instances that you were numb to. You're not even worried about the BB guns because it's something that's an occupational hazard in your community. If you live here in Central Falls, you're just used to the fact that you might get shot with a BB gun. Yeah, but you can tell it's a BB gun. Like it's orange. And yeah, it's white. orange. Do you agree that by living in Central Falls, you just you just might get shot with a BB? It's just the thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm shot. Say here. But I would also say that we're kind of like the generation of traumatic experiences. And so you kind of mentioned like we've normalized some of these experiences and we've become desensitized to some of these these real fears that maybe someone in your generation might have not had experience to the heightened level that we are seeing now. You're right. My generation wasn't. When there was a school shooting, uh, famously Columbine, mm -hmm. uh, that was enough to stop the world. That was enough so that the whole world, every country started taking a look and saying, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a thing. This is wow. And now that's just Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Did it actually happen on Tuesday? It's just a Tuesday, right? Like around here, that's, that's what just happened. What did you want to add? Um, that Eli, was it two kids with BB guns or was it two? Three? There was two separate BB guns. So so a bb gun and a knife is is also what i heard and is that still just an occupational hazard of living in central falls yeah uh does it go ahead well i'm just saying because if you guys like to complain like i i can't even say that because it was worse when i was like you know because i had friends who were in that and i remember like i had a friend who was like hold my knife real quick i got the cop like that's so looking for me and i remember i did just that i didn't know anybody because it was like it was my friend but I remember, like, he always carried the knife on him. He always had, and then, and I had some friends who just always had, like, a Glock on them. Like, it wasn't anything out of the normal. Mm -hmm. And even then, like, I remember, you guys weren't even in the high school yet. You were still in the cow cut. I remember my midterm, that oh, shooting. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, literally, like, right there, I saw the yeah. guy run away. And it was wild because, literally, the first thing I thought of was, is it inside or outside? Because if it's inside, I'm jumping out the window. <laughs> like, I immediately had that response. I was like, I know what to do. I'm out. But then I realized it was outside. I'm like, now nah, I got to stay in. I got locked the door. I got to lock the window. So some of us, some of us are used to it and it's our norm, but others uh, have an escape plan and are constantly thinking of how they survive. I got to constantly think about it with who my parents are. And like the fact that I've seen so much of this happen over the last few years, I just like, at this point, it's like, I know what I need to do. I know how to keep myself safe. But also, just because it is our norm doesn't mean that it doesn't impact us. Like, it doesn't mean that it doesn't create, like, a traumatic response in us. And that's where that, like, fight or flight response comes in. And if we don't have the appropriate tools to be able to navigate those feelings of fear and anxiety and anger and all of these things, we're going to take on a negative coping skill. And that's, that's something that happens a lot with, you know, young people that are, are using weapons, that are bringing weapons into different settings, like, to them, it's more than just a weapon. It's like a sign of safety. It provides some sense of security for them. And so when you think about it with a trauma lens, they're not just carrying a knife because, you know, sometimes we would hope, right? That they're carrying a knife because they think it's cool, but because at one point in their life, they felt unsafe. And now this, as a negative coping skill, they've adapted this weapon to kind of regain some of that control and regain some of that strength. And I think they mentioned that, you know, with the Texas shooter, that he was someone who 
was bullied and someone who was picked on and and all of these different things and he felt like a sense of like um rejection as he was growing up in school right and so what some experts have suggested is that him holding that weapon him being in that space that that made him feel once rejected and made him feel small he felt in control and he felt empowered and so although we've normalized some of these experiences it still does trigger us it still does create something in us that impacts you know our nervous system and impacts our mental health. I want to check in with the whole group on this, but I definitely want you to weigh in again on this particular question. Because you talked about how they were bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, girls in the room are, are and, and not to assume, but I, I know you well enough, I feel like, uh, so forgive me. Uh, girls in the room, do you feel like uh, you have been bullied too at some point? You're nodding yes. Would you say that so that the podcast world can hear you as well? <laughs> yeah. Um, how much of that are you willing to share? Like, how much are you are you willing to explain to us? Um, it's fine. Um, I was I was bullied at school, like a little, not a lot, but then at home with my cousins and like my neighbor upstairs. Yeah, I'd get like smiling like a little like smiling so wide. It's, I just, it's, yeah, it's, my family. it's that whole. Is she smiling? She doesn't cry. Any other girls? No, I'm any other any other girls have to deal with this? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, to- I was bullied like my whole childhood, and it was like I even wrote about my college essay one because I was like, "This is driving me so much," but it hurt me so much because I was bullied from my ethnicity because I went to a charter school that was predominantly white. So I was bullied from from my ethnicity to the way I spelled my name to even people just call me ugly they called me weird like it was so many different things especially ugly though that was the biggest thing to the point that people would be like i was told oh you're too fat and then i was told, oh you're too skinny i had a guy tell me you're not my type you're too skinny i like my girls more like that i'm like that's the opposite of what i've heard whoa are you willing to share whether or not you feel like you've ever been bullied and the answer can be no you can be like i've never been bullied at all i've been i've been cool been bullied once or twice but i i always try to shut them down um my family um i've always heard stories of the troubles they've made and so i've i took that as like inspiration and so like i always threw an insult back at them and that would shut them up so so you just come back harder (laughs) so what i'm hearing is what i'm hearing is that um the girls are bullied too so this boy was bullied girls are bullied too And girls are living in the same houses as these boys do, presumably, right? Like brothers and sisters. And like your your dads probably have the same chances of having guns as a boy's dad would have. So the access to guns is probably similar. Or in the case of somebody who actually goes and buys their first gun uh, in some of these cases that happen, they have an opportunity to go and get their guns. You guys have this. There's no law that says girls can't. So I think my question is, are boys more violent than girls? Because this happens overwhelmingly. I don't have data. I should have, but it feels like a 99% thing, right? It feels like it feels like mass shootings are way more boys than girls. Are boys more violent than girls? Is my question. Yeah. yeah. It depends. I'll Definitely. say it depends. Oh, I'm saying. I was full on yes, but then I realized some things that happened in my life, and I have to say no. Yeah. Is it because they just threatened you? (laughs) (laughs) From my experience, yes. Hold on, hold on, Keith. Go ahead. Well, I mean, like guys, it's always all right. Well, like if they don't like you, then yeah, they find you. 
You know, they're punching you in the face for it. You're getting into a fight for it. At least that's what it, well, my school was from Slater because, you know, that's how Slater was. It's always like that. So if they don't like you, then, yeah, you're getting punched in the face for it. Or I'm fighting you. Or they'll say something about it. But for girls, it hurt you on an emotional level for me. <laughs> like I, I, that's, 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 It was an emotional thing. It's like, oh, like, because they would say something and they would have you think about it. It was like, damn. No, that shit's true. But like, I got hurt. So it was like, it wasn't even like, oh, you get you get no bitches. It was like that. It was just straight up like, oh, it was like some zero play. Nah, it was like something else. Like um, some other damn stupid thing. Like oh well, uh, I can't even think. I can't even think of something. I struggle. It was like in middle school, and I just forget about it. I forgot. I, about I struggle it. with some numbers, right? Because uh, DV numbers, uh, domestic violence numbers, uh, show you that the men are usually the aggressor and the violent ones. And that that's probably true. But there's a couple of things I want to look at. Uh, I look at how uh, somebody very close to me, their wife used to beat the shit out of them all the time. And it made me feel horrible. And I feel like that person, uh, that person probably because of toxic masculinity or just uh, traits that come with masculine is less likely to report it. So my point is I've seen violence from men and women, but not when it comes to these mass shootings. I feel like there's a cultural component to things. I think like men are culturally and many cultures expected to be, to fit this mold of like defender and like protector. And, you know, don't let anyone tell you something without doing something back. And so I think even when you're talking about like the domestic violence situations, like so many men are afraid to report because they feel like it's gonna demasculize demasculize them. So I, I really believe there's like a cultural aspect to this question or this topic. Yeah, I agree. But specifically when it comes to guns, when it comes to shooting up numbers of people, yeah. it seems like that's a almost an almost male exclusive trait. Amy, you're nodding, you're nodding yes. Well, I'm just sitting here listening and resonating with a lot of things that were said. And you want to also point out that um, bullying by exclusion is a form of bullying. I moved around a lot as a young person from state to state before I had cell phones and access to keep in touch with friends. And every time I moved somewhere new, I was bullied through exclusion, being left out and ignored. Um, but as far as violence go, I agree that uh, women females are more prone to be psychologically and emotionally violent and men are physically. And I think the same statistics align with uh, people who kill themselves. Men use weapons and do more physical, lethal ways of taking their lives and, and women are less physically violent when they have their lives. It sounds, it sounds like she's backing up what you said a moment ago, Keith. It sounds like she's backing you. I want to point out that we're speaking in generalities. We're not saying every man be like, every woman be like. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. But we're speaking in generalities. And I think there's a lot of statistics, I think, to base this on. Um, you said something interesting a moment ago. Uh, and can you can you use that? What was that phrase again uh, for it? Was it isolating? Oh, bullying by exclusion. Bullying by exclusion. Uh, one of my key members here, one of my leaders here at Steambox uh, moved from North Carolina to here. But, and what I'm wondering is, uh, she has that super strong personality. She's the, the freshman, uh, what's the title? The freshman president. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to be super loud on this, but 
did you overcome all of that because all of the differences moving here, having an accent to us uh, and all of that stuff? Did you overcome that because your personality is just so shining or were there any struggles in there? there was no struggles I feel like I was okay I never really let comments anything affect me so I just feel like oh y'all think I got an accent I don't hear it so to me it's nothing or if somebody would say um your hair's too curly oh it is I never noticed you know so it's just like sarcasm in a way I guess that's how I handle like negative comments so you transcended all those comments you you have you're bulletproof you're a leader you're definitely gonna be a leader uh, in a greater capacity soon too. I know that for sure. I know that about you, but I wasn't always like that. And I think there was some times where stuff did get through my skin. Here's an example of the opposite. Here's an example of the opposite. Here's an example of me being really young. I'm talking preschool. I'm talking like baby young. Me being super young and somebody says something really stupid to me that's not even like I've heard so much worse from adults, from people in my career, from all I've heard so much racist bullshit. I've heard so much other kind of bullshit. But in preschool, this kid said to me, he said, hey, I said, what? He said, you're fired. Yo, I didn't even work for that dude. Anyway, I wasn't even on his payroll. That's, I, find that I mean, maybe it's funny. But to me, back then, that shit hurt. But I understand it. Though. It hurt. I was hired, but you were fired. That's crazy. <laughs> I wasn't even hired, right? I didn't even get any of the benefits. I told like J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man. It did. He was Gene. He's he was J. Jonah Jameson, and I turned out to be a Spider-Man fan. That makes all the sense in the world. Did you guys ever like? Have you guys ever been impacted by some shit that somebody said to you that's probably not even that big a deal? Yeah. Yeah. What was the last time? What was the last time that somebody said something to you that like kind of hurt you on some level? Act like a girl. Act like a girl. Somebody told you to act like a girl. So the implication is that you're acting like a boy. That's the implication. Um, how did you take it? I couldn't um insult them back because it was my grandma. So I. <laughs> but I mean, they're old, so they're gonna say something. Like do that. do. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I love, I love my grandma to no end, but she had like some, some like weird, like funny racist ways about her. Right. Like, right. Like, um, and, but I know that in her heart, I know that she's not right. I know who she is, but she would say shit sometimes. Right. Uh, I, when I dated a black girl, she called her La Negrita. Right. And, but that didn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means something totally different. And generations have this totally different. The world has changed. And do do does grandma get a pass? No, grandma doesn't get a pass. She's too old. It's I mean, time for you to no. get out of here. My grandma gets a pass. I, I give my grandmother too a pass. Old. Well, my grandmother, she's different. Like it depends because my great grandmother, she's way more accepting. But she had such traumatic experiences when she lived in Chicago. That now, if she sees a black person, I don't think she needs to, but she keeps her distance. But I can kind of understand it. I just I feel bad because then I have to explain it to some of my friends. I'm like, I'm so sorry. She doesn't mean to ignore you. If she seems like she's ignoring you, it's not that. She's just keeping her distance because of something that happened. But if you talk to my grandmother, that was so different because she did Like, when I came out as bi, I didn't even come out as bi to her. Yep. It was more of a close family thing. She ignored me for, like, a good four months, maybe more. 
And then even now it's like, it's not the same as it used to be. Do our grandparents need some kind of training or do we just be like, ah, you're about to die? (laughs) I say, screw it. You're about to die. I say, screw it. So they kind of get a pass. They kind of get a pass. Like, like we don't necessarily forgive what they say, right? Like we don't, we don't grant what they say as like, oh, it's cool. We don't say it's cool, but it's kind of like. I feel like we kind of like let it slide because we understand that they're just misinformed. Right. That they don't have all of the information that maybe we have access to today. That makes sense. It does make sense. It does make sense. So I want to, I want to bring it back. Did, did you forget? What did you do with grandma? Properly. <laughs> you you sat like a girl, which you're calling like a girl properly. I feel a little disappointed. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, you don't disappoint. Grandma. You don't disappoint you grandma. Disappoint. Listen, as somebody whose grandma just died, and I wish I had all the time to bring back and 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 do so many things different. That wouldn't be one of them. That wouldn't be one of them. Uh, I want you to sit how you sit. I want you to sit how you sit, and and uh, not your grandma, but you know, to hell with your boss. To hell with what your teacher thinks. Uh, as long as you're not doing something in a way that's really offending people. I, that's what I want for you. That's what I want. As somebody who cares about you, that's what I want for you. Uh, I want to bring this conversation back real quick. Uh, because I because I, I want to bring it back to, to where I started. Uh, I'm going to get into a wrap-up. I'm going to feed you guys. Uh, and then we're going we're gonna to talk to Amy a little bit. Um, but really quickly, does my social media, honestly, my social media hurts me. My social media hurts me. I get to see kittens. I get to see funny videos. Um, and I get to communicate with my students, with my son, with some friends. But when I see people saying the dumbest shit in the world, it makes me think, oh, like we're not even close to solutions because so many people are mad dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that me because I grew up without social media? What's that like for you who grew up with social media? I'm suspecting that you're as numb to it as you are. I might get shot in the face with a BB gun today. Oh, well. No, because everyone says dumb things in person online. Like, I'm just used to it. Because there's so many, so many dumb things online. I just read it and I go, haha, they're stupid. In person, when someone says something dumb, I make fun of them, which I feel is rude, but I still do it. But yeah, I don't, I'm just, just a sense aside. I just feel like every, like, if, for instance, um, there's a orange who was president recently. Yeah, um, and annoying. Orange. The whole thing was that he was so stupid that he got banned from all forms of social media, and including Twitter and everything. So in that terms, I feel like all right. Well, people are who they are. It's just social media like amplifies that, you know. So say like all right. Well, say if you think that oh the Earth is flat, no matter how many times people just you know proved that the earth was you know spear shape it's it's flat um and you don't have social media social media and someone says oh hey here's social media then you put that online and then it's like all right well now it's amplified so now like you think what you thought before but now you get that's this is my point this is my point one idiot can go online and say one really dumb thing and some people are using that to manipulate people uh and some people are even having fun with it here's an example and here's one that i actually like and i think it's funny uh, are birds real? No, you, I never you've, said oh my that. God. You've I've seen birds. Birds are not real. Birds are not real. I didn't say that. I didn't say they weren't real. It's you said they glitch in the air. They, I said I'm not I meant like that's what people think. See, I've seen birds glitch, but I've also seen an airplane glitch. 
and a helicopter is legit just something that you're living in the matrix no it's something in the atmosphere i do not know because i do not study them have you ever heard have you ever heard this um have you ever heard that birds are not real I, yes, I, I, I heard it. We're living in a simulation. It's in. Where this? I don't. I'm pretty sure it's Photoshop, but like he's still funny to me. Where he salutes to Putin. It's a what? Where he salutes to Putin. He, the bird. The bird salutes to Putin. It's just this pigeon. Birds. Birds are Russian robots. Birds are Russian robots sent. Hey Jerry, I think your your people are here. Bye Jerry. Everybody say bye Jerry. Yeah man. Uh, this started. This this there's a person behind that. That's not. Just people thought one day, hey, birds aren't real, and they started making up things. There's a person, there's one person, it's organized. It's an organized effort, and it's meant in jest. It's meant to make you look at QAnon things or things about the president that you spoke of. It's meant to make you think about stuff like that. But the point is, just really quickly, somebody can put something like that, and then your asshole aunt on WhatsApp or whatever it's called is going to share it, you know what I mean, with a lot of with a lot of commentary, and that stuff spreads. Um Angelina, I have a couple questions for you, starting with um, my students are numb to social media, but social media is hurting me. And I know and I know they see the effects of it. Uh, what can we do? So I think when we started the conversation, you talked about like feeling all that you felt. And it's so important to like use self-awareness. Like if you can't feel what you feel, then that should be like a red flag, right? It's okay to feel the overstimulation of everything that's happening. That's completely normal, right? Um, in regards to social media, honestly, it takes creating really good boundaries with yourself. Like if there's pages that you need to unfollow, if you need to disconnect from your social media accounts for a while, you have to put prioritize your mental health and prioritize your emotional health. Um, Social media is designed to overstimulate us, to throw a lot of information at us, like Roberto had mentioned, because there's other agendas that are attached to the posts that we see. There's other things that are attached to some of the things that were, you know, promotions, whatever the, the case may be. But as far as your own mental and emotional health, you have to set boundaries. And that's something that, you know, we kind of talk about what do boundaries look like and how do I set boundaries with the people around me and, you know, my family. But we don't talk about the importance of setting boundaries with social media, with what we entertain in our minds, with the things that come inside and, and we kind of then process and identify with. And so I would say that using your self-awareness and saying like, this isn't serving me and the capacity that it needs to serve me right now. Or if you feel like, you know what, I do want to be on social media. And this is something that really does help me, you know, find that self-expression, et cetera, et cetera. Then um, realizing what type of role do I want to have on social media? How do I want my identity and my my forum to look like on social media? Thank you. Uh, everybody, please stay tuned. We're going to come back for episode two, and we are going to talk about uh, how do we cope when we're struggling. There's healthy ways and there's not healthy ways to cope when we're struggling. And I've seen my students use both, uh, and that has been a struggle for me, uh, especially as a family man, right? And thinking about how people do that in my family as well. So I can't wait to have that conversation with Amy. Last name? Hopped. I was going to, I was going to, I was a little off if I would have guessed uh, with Amy Hopped. Uh, that conversation is going to be on episode two. Angelina, where can people find out more information about you? Where should people follow you? Yeah, follow me on Instagram, Angelina Serrano underscore. Um, yeah, I really just have Instagram. <laughs> so follow me on Instagram. I'm always open to having conversations, sharing tips, 
coming back, doing a workshop, whatever you need to kind of educate on mental and emotional health. Welcome back to the steam box that you created. This has, uh, this is season two, episode one of Joyful Rebellion. Uh, Thank you, Central Falls Warriors for bringing joy back into my world. Central Falls Warriors, please say peace out to the world. Peace out.